What is good, all of our listeners and viewers? Welcome to another episode of Games and Groceries. My name is Adam. And I'm Liz. And we've got this brand new theme song. So welcome to the show. We are going to be talking about the importance of gaming music with our special guest, Bolt Supreme. So, Liz, how you doing? I'm good. You like our new theme song? I love it. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's actually composed by our guest today, Volt Supreme, mm-hmm. who is actually the composer behind the game, Adam's Ascending. Nice. So we had on the uh, game developer, Nick DiPaolo, uh, on the show, and now we have the composer behind Adam's Ascending. So we're, we're looking forward to talking with him about um, a little bit about his life in Australia and uh, how he got into the gaming music scene. So uh, that's really cool. So super, super excited about that. Super excited. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just get this show started because we got a lot to talk about. We're going to go into the top three gaming news. No movie minutes this week because we have more time for our guest. But let's let's talk about the top three gaming news. But before we get there, we want to remind all of you to check us out on social media. You can check us out on Twitter at Gaming Groceries or follow us individually. I'm at Ace the Grocer. And I'm at Journeyverse. So follow us individually and be friends with us there. And, you know, tweet at us. You know, say that, Adam, I really like the Phillies, too. Uh, you're my buddy. But you can also check us out on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word. We can check out behind-the-scenes photos, little gaming memes I put up every now and again. And as well as Question of the Week, where I put up every Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you have until Sunday, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that way, we will use your answers for our Question of the Week video, which airs on Wednesdays on our YouTube channel. And uh, you can check out our website, gamesandgroceries.com, where you can check out all the episodes from the website, as well as find out where you can listen to the audio versions of the website. And finally, I promise you, it's finally. But if you're watching us on YouTube consider hitting that subscribe button as well as the notification bell so that you know when all these episodes come out on your YouTube channel. And if you get through the whole episode and if you really enjoyed it, eh, consider giving a like and also a share with somebody who will enjoy these episodes. And finally, if you're listening to us on audio version, definitely subscribe to us on the iTunes as well as give us a review and a non-star rating. And so that uh, we know how we're doing. We doing good. I hope we're doing good. So let's just jump into our first segment. Top three gaming news. The top three gaming news is gaming news that we saw in the past week. And we like to rate it three, two, one, just to give you a condensed version of what's going on in the gaming industry. And wow, was it a big week for two news pieces. But we have a number three gaming news for you that didn't get a lot of coverage. So yeah, let's start with that, with the number three gaming news. And that is... Ubisoft actually is releasing a free game on the PC. I believe just Windows. It might be just for PC or just Windows 10. I don't know. But <laughs> it is called Rabbit's Coding. Our dog is on the table. So can get off. Off. <laughs> okay. My goodness. There we go. It is called Rabbit's Coding to teach kids coding skills. So amidst all the whole microtransactions kind of loot box discussion about uh, Ubisoft and the whole, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Just um, single player, fast paced microtransactions. It, 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 they're, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of in deep water here. Um, but on, on that note, in the midst of all this, 
they are releasing a 32-level puzzle game starring, of course, the rabbits, <clears throat> as, as we all know from the uh, Ubisoft titles. But this puzzle game, to get them on their spaceships and whatnot, you actually have to put in little coding commands. So it's actually teaching kids how to uh, condense their codes and uh, what, what lines go where. And you have to put in these coding commands to actually uh, complete each puzzle, which is awesome. And this is actually going into the uh, edutainments that they have. Uh, of course, we, the first we heard about was the Assassin's Creed uh, tours, where you get to tour Egypt. And I believe it was also on Odyssey. Wasn't sure about that one. But uh, it's part of the edutainment uh, movement that they have. And I have a quote from game director uh, Oliver Palmieri. I hope I said his name right. Who says this. We strongly believe that video games can play an important role in learning new technical skills. And we're looking forward to sharing Rabbit's Coding as a teaching tool for all ages, said game director Oliver Palmieri in a press statement. So, Liz, what's your take on this? I want to play. You want to? Well, it's only for kids. It said all ages. For for kids. It said for all ages. It didn't say kids of all ages. It said for all ages. Well, th these have to do with rabbits and tricks is for kids, which also involves yeah, a rabbit. Yeah, but do you, you can tricks? learn coding at any point in time. I actually had a, a class that I had to learn coding for yeah. in college, but I forgot how to do all the coding. So, but it sounds really interesting, and I think it's a good idea to teach these <coughs> kids coding when they're younger so that they have the ability to have like that's an option for them when they get to college and mm -hmm. going into careers and stuff that's a good skill to have these days yeah no i i agree i i think this is a very fine mu uh, movement by ubisoft to say that um we want to think about the kids futures here mm -hmm. i was actually talking to one of my students well soon to be former because <laughs> um but you know like i'm hanging out with a lot of my students before i leave and uh, I was like saying to one of them, um, do you ever think about game design? And he's like saying, well, you know, there's a lot of game designers already. I'm like, well, how old are you now? 15? If, if you're 15, usually you don't get like a full-time job until you're 22. That's seven years. Yeah. The, the game designers now in seven years might be looking to retirement or have moved up in the company to management. Mm -hmm. Guess what? No new coders yeah. are needed. That's like... That's almost like saying like, oh, I'm not going to do this because someone there's already enough people doing that, like nursing and teaching and yeah, like any job. There's already people doing a lot of jobs. But in when by the time you're ready to do it, that means someone else is ready to move on. Exactly. And, and that's what I mean. Like this whole game is setting up the future of video games, too, because mm -hmm. you get one kid who really, really likes this game, and he starts to understand coding. Yeah. Uh, I tried to learn coding myself when trying to design a game, and I coding was actually my favorite part. Oh, yeah. Coding is really fun. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I enjoyed coding more than level design or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Coding coding was really cool to learn. But, yeah, um, I'm really excited for this game to uh, be put into the hands of, of the young generation, the next generation of game designers. So... Uh, really cool. Really cool by Ubisoft Spartan. I just want to put in something funny yeah. that I always think about is that when we were younger, we had MySpace teach us how to code. We did? Yes, because you remember how uh, you would edit your thing? That's coding. We would copy and paste, but that was coding. Yeah, but it's copy and paste. It didn't really teach yeah, you how to code. Yeah, but you could change it and you had to code, had to go around the code when you 
change like the words on your profile. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, but that's like saying that watchdogs teaches kids how to hack. Yeah, I'm just saying. I thought that I always think that's funny. I like. Yeah, I I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it. Huh. Yeah, tell us in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Did MySpace teach you how to at least web design? That might be cool to hear. So yeah, I think that'd be a cool story. Anyway, we can move on. I just wanted yeah. to put that in since it was kind of on subject. No, totally. But yeah, that's a small subject. But we want to get to the big news. There's two of them. But let's start with number two. And the PlayStation 5 has officially been announced for a holiday 2020. I was shook. I was shooken by this news. Yeah, okay. It was they said the I'm gonna name. take your hat off. This they said the name was PlayStation 5. Who would have thought that? Did they really make that announcement like it's gonna be called? Yeah, like they said the Wow, well we had the first PlayStation, then we had PlayStation 2 and PlayStation well, 3, PlayStation even, 4. Even in the hmm. article, they said they're not sure what they're gonna call the controller, as if it's not gonna be called DualShock 5. That's stupid. Like, oh, we, we don't have a name for it yet. Silly Sony. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. But yes, the PlayStation 5 has officially been announced for holiday 2020. No shock. Like, I'm not, I'm not shocked at all. Um, everybody saw this coming. And that's when the next Xbox is going to drop. Oh, yeah. What the name of that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, let's talk about this for a little bit. So, Wired actually got a deep look into this and uh yeah i want to talk about this article real quick in fact yeah. let me let me pull up the article actually as we as we talk about it because i only have a snippet of it oh i don't have any internet hey but yeah so wired once again took a deep dive and we got the uh, the wired look the first time when mark cerny was interviewing yeah with uh with them and we got a little bit of a deeper look and you know he he clarifies ray tracing the dog is standing right here if you're watching us on youtube there's our dog his name is floki but certainly goes on to say that um with ray tracing he's like whoa i wanted to clarify there's actually ray tracing acceleration not necessarily ray tracing now i'm not the expert in ray tracing or even pc specs or anything like that but from what I understand about uh, ray tracing is that um, this isn't a new technology at all. This isn't new. Uh, in, in fact, most movies, uh, most animated movies use ray tracing, which is to track lights onto different objects mm. so that it looks more lifelike. It, it all has to do with the light rays and everything. Now, ray tracing acceleration, this is what I was confused about. If you have a GPU inside of the PlayStation 5, that has full-on ray tracing, you're talking about in a real expensive uh, system here. But because ray tracing acceleration, which what, what it is, it actually has less rays, but in multiple different directions. I, I tried to research what acceleration was, but essentially what it is, is the console version of it, right? Mm -hmm. So just like when we had 4K come to systems, like Xbox One yeah. S... It's not native 4K. It does checkerboarding. Yeah. And it just fills in the gaps to make you think it looks like 4K, whereas mm -hmm. the Xbox One X had native 4K. Yeah. And all you PC players who are listening to this are saying, native 4K? Ha! Anyways. But, uh, yeah. So this is going to be basically the checkerboarding of mm -hmm. ray tracing. I might be wrong. I could be wrong. So, 
Uh, one of the interesting things was the solid state drive, right? Now, let me, let me bring up my quote that I really liked about this article. And it's talking about the um, storage within the actual mm. system. Now, uh, the storage, of course, we know we're all worried about because games get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and soon we're going to need three terabytes on the base system. But I, I think this is actually pretty interesting. So I'm going to read this whole quote right here about game installation. However, game installation, which is mandatory given the speed difference between the SSD and the optical drive, will be a bit different than in a PS4. This time around, aided in part, in part by simplified game data possible with the SSD. Sony is changing its approach to storage, making for, more a, for a more configurable installation and removal process. Now, here's mm. where we get into the interesting part. Rather than treating games like a big block of data, Cerny says, this is Mark Cerny, of course, being the um, head architect behind the PS5, um, we're allowing finer grain access to the data. That could mean the ability to just install a game's multiplayer campaign and leaving the single player campaign for another time, or just installing the whole thing and then deleting the single player campaign once you've finished. Hmm. Very awesome. Your that's thoughts. That is definitely cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very useful because then it will help save space when, you know, when you're done the main storyline and you don't feel and you know you're not going to need feel the need to play it for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You can take that out like like your Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. You know, instead of deleting the entire game, you just get rid of the storyline right part, or or whatever it's probably i'm um, not exactly it but it's it's a cool concept and i think that's no, a good yeah. idea i i think that's what's going to solve the whole games are getting bigger but mm-hmm. hard drives aren't getting any bigger problem yeah. so they're not it's not that they're making the hard drive bigger it's that they'll they're making it it's optional for yeah. you to delete sections of the game yeah to only play the yeah. multiplayer I hope you can also just have the single player and not the multi- multiplayer. I think that's what he's going yeah, off that's, of. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying, yeah. So that's actually really cool. Um, so I think that's a clever little trick just to save storage space as games get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what game did I just install on my Xbox? And I was like, that's a ridiculous amount. Um, well, of course, Red Dead Redemption 2, that was yeah. 100... I think it was 108 gigabytes, if I remember right. That was 106. Yeah, 106, 108. It was big. Yeah, it's massive. Um, But yeah, talking about also the controllers, this is also something I'm a little bit excited about. Now, I want to talk about the motor, uh, the the rumble within Mm -hmm. within the controller. I'm not super impressed with, okay? Because they're trying to make it into like, oh, it's this great thing. Haptic feedback in controls. Haptic feedback isn't really new. In fact, it's been your iPhone. I believe the Switch, the the um the Switch Joy-Con have haptic feedback. In fact, in the Xbox One controller, uh, some controllers have haptic feedback within the triggers, which is awesome. Um, but that isn't what's impressed me. It's really cool. It's awesome. I love haptic feedback more than just your uh, like little mm-hmm. rumble. 
So that's awesome within the whole controller. It's the adaptive triggers that I'm most impressed about. Did, did you uh, read this article a little? No. Okay. Well, if you're listening to this or watching this, I will have the article linked down below if it interests you. Very awesome read. So we're just going through the highlights because we want to give more time for our guest. But in fact, wow, I'm really taking up a lot of time here. But the adaptive triggers... Mm-hmm developers can actually use this in the development of their game to actually build tension within the triggers. So if you are pulling back a bow, they can actually tighten. Yeah. It can tighten the tension. That's cool. And when you're driving a game, right? Like when you're, when you're in a driving game, uh, when you put up the acceleration, if you're on mud, it'll actually like slip out. Yeah. It'll slip out. Cool. So it's actually adaptive. Uh, Wolf Den Live actually gave a really good point about this. I believe it was Will Wolf. What's up, man? He's not listening to this episode. You but don't know that. I don't know that. If Will Wolf, if you're listening, email me. Hit me up. Slide in my DMs. But creepy. I am creepy. But uh, he made a good point to say that he doesn't think that most developers will take advantage of these adaptive triggers because of multi-platform. Mm. Because if Xbox doesn't have these adaptive yeah. triggers, they then, might not be so yeah. inclined. But PlayStation exclusives, yeah, you can bet your bottom dollar, and you can also bet your bottom, your butt. Thanks. We all needed that clarification. Yeah, your tushy. That <laughs> they will be like Last of Us Part Two. I like how they say shooting a bow and arrow. Huh? What PlayStation exclusive has a bow and arrow? Oh yeah, Last of Us Two. But, so, you think it's cool? Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. So, there's a lot of other things that they, they, they brought up in this article, um, including uh, the removal installs, the improved uh, UI. So, that's really needed. Um, but keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. Take this with a grain of salt. And not to say, I shouldn't be saying take this with a grain of salt because it's pretty much proven. USB-C awesome thank the lord um it has a larger capacity battery in the controller this is great again link down below but this is a sales pitch okay Mm -hmm. they're gonna throw all these technical jargons at you to make sure that you buy the playstation 5 it's here it's got haptic feedback it's got adaptive triggers it's got uh ssds and ray tracing acceleration they're, it's they're, got tings. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't don't take this to say that this is going to revolutionize. I need to buy this day one. Um, we're a gaming channel. I'm not even planning to buy this or even the next Xbox One mm-hmm. or whatever it's going to be called uh, at, at least for six months afterwards because you're essentially a guinea pig in mass yeah. production. They, they, they have the testing. They have the dev kits. They, they think they know how it works. But you're pretty much the test dummies here. Yeah. So uh, take that with a grain of salt or not, whatever the statement is. But let's move on to our number one game. Oh, any other thoughts before we move on? No, I think we should move on. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the number one, we're not going to get too far into this. Blizzard bans Hearthstone player uh, Blitz Chung after he was involved in uh, support after he showed support for the Hong Kong protests. Now, the Hong Kong protests that are being in, um, that are going on right now, 
is the democratic well it's not the de- democratic um what's what's going on is that hong kong does not want mainland china's um communist government getting into hong kong's democracy they're trying to fight for their government mm-hmm. so that they are not uh they don't have these communist overlords mm-hmm. taking down yeah their people now pro uh pro player blitz chong during a uh live stream in an official blizzard live stream of uh, hearthstone in a post-game interview basically uh the interviewers who were in on it by the way uh they they asked him in mandarin and this is all in mandarin but they they asked him do you have anything to say and blitz chong said liberate hong kong revolution of our times and blizzard bans him not only bans him but takes away his prize money, ten thousand dollars of prize oh my money. Goodness. Not not only that, <clears throat> but bans him from any kind of competition for a year. Wow! Because he wants freedom for his people. Yeah. So, Blizzard banned him for this, and uh, the reason behind this is that in an announcement released Tuesday, I'm going to read this quote here from the article, link down below from NPR. In an announcement released Tuesday. Blizzard Entertainment said the player's statement violated a tournament rule that prohibits any acts that brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or a group of public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image. Sick. I don't think that means the. I don't it, think so. I, I I thought he was like a gnarly bro, like sick bro. Anyways, so I I do understand where blizzard is coming from oh yeah that okay if it does go into public disrepute fine like maybe fine him like the nfl does or the nba does you know you know take away a portion but to ban him and take away all of his prize money yeah and to pretty much just censor this guy Mm mm-hmm it's a bit extreme. It is a bit extreme. And since it is his people, like, it's not like he's an outsider. Yeah, he lives in Hong Kong. Yeah, so it's where he lives. It's not like he's an American commenting on something he knows nothing about. Exactly. You know, it's something that directly affects him. And he probably honestly didn't even think about it. He probably was asked a question and he answered it. Yeah. You know, he probably didn't. Even no, no, the, uh, the interviewers were in on it. They egged oh. him on to say it. Okay. But he believes in it. He wore the gas mask and the dark glasses yeah. as protesters would uh, do because okay. mainland China and the Hong Kong government are actually like throwing gas bombs yeah. at these protesters. So he's putting on the gas yeah, mask. Okay. okay, I didn't know all that. No, no, no. Yeah, they were in on it. And actually, they were fired too, the, the uh, interviewers, the yeah. announcers for, for it all. Now, many people are outraged. They're outright boycotting it. Um, there was actually a walkout by Blizzard employees. Wow. So this is actually becoming extreme. Okay. Blizzard, what you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, like I said, I understand on all parts. Like, I understand his position. I understand that Blizzard kind of has to. It's in their own rules. Sure. Yeah. If they didn't enforce them, it's like, why have them? And mm-hmm. it's kind of welcoming other people. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a hard thing. Yeah. It's just hard. Now, someone just said, I I want to look in my, hey, look at that, PS5 rumors. I uh, This is on episode 24, by the way. I'm looking back at my, my notes goodness. because someone said that 
this is actually just about over a year since the Diablo Immortal reveal. And that's where all... Remember Diablo uh, Immortal? Is that the mobile game? Yeah. Don't yeah. you all have phones? Uh, that was that was almost a year it's ago. It's like they have a time of year. Yeah. Like it's all oh, that time of year. It's Blizzard time to say something stupid. I was just like, my goodness. Like so That was funny. They're all outraged. <laughs> this is all this is this is censorship for for Hong Kong, man. Yeah. Like this is this is kind of the 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 way these people live. Now I understand okay, I'm not about to get political here. But I understand that we live in time with our president, by the way, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's starting to dictate us, yada, yada. OK, fine. Be that way. But look at what's happening in Hong Kong. Look at what's happening in mainland China, where it's actually living in that kind of communist system, that kind, mm-hmm. kind of communist regime, where all you have to say is, I don't want my city to be, you know, in a communist regime. And you get plastered. You get gas bombed. You get... Like, mm-hmm. that's deadly, man. And you can't even use video games to spread a message to say, liberate Hong Kong from this. Yeah. So it's kind of messed up. Yeah. It's like, thank goodness that I'm not a Blizzard fanboy about this. If this was Bethesda doing all this, whoo, I'd be in some hot water. But people are actually like... You've had your turn this year. I have had my turn, but not like this. Blizzard no, not is this just, bad. Man, Blizzard. But anyways, like people are actually um, boycotting it. They are actually canceling the pre-orders of their Overwatch on Switch. Wow. They're 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 straight up telling Blizzard you're not okay. Yeah. So I think that's all we really need to say about this before you know I get in some serious trouble in politics. Um, want to remind all of our listeners: we are registered Green Party. We voted Jill Stein. Greenpeace. So save the trees, y'all. Jeez. We're really just outsiders looking in. Yeah. I don't really care. In fact, we actually had a whole episode about being an apolitical gamer with Mr. Maddie Plays. So if you're interested in that, check out, you know, our backlog with Mr. Maddie Plays. But we actually have an awesome guest today. Yeah. Amazing guest from the great country of Australia. And by great, I mean you get kicked in the Terrifying. face. Terrifying. Yeah, well, yeah, you get kicked in the face. By a pterodactyl, probably. What? We don't know. I think we do know. Well, you know, maybe we'll ask him. What, what's it like to live with pterodactyls? No. Okay. Well, from the great country and continent of Australia, we have, of course, the composer behind the game, the upcoming game, Adam's Ascending, which was shown off at E3. We have the great composer, Mr. Volt Supreme. If you enjoyed that little ditty, that little new intro... That was all Vote Supreme. So uh, without further ado, let's just bring him on. Let's get our guest out here, Mr. Volt Supreme. It's interview time. Everybody, welcome back. We have our guests who actually designed the new intro that you heard that do 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 like like with the whole uh beep boop bop but it's so much more complex than that i don't want to give them any less credit but here we have volts supreme volts welcome to the show g'day fellas and sheilas there yeah. you go <laughs> volts of course is from the great country of australia so can we call you volts or do you prefer another name 
Oh, yeah, yeah, call me Volt. That, that's fine. My name's Joel, but <laughs> I, go, I, I go by Volts in this musical world. So, right on. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, of course, uh, Volts is a music composer. We're going to be talking more about that in our talking time uh, section, talking all about why music is important in games. But first, we would like to get to know you a little bit better, Mr. Volts or Joel or whatever we're going to call you in this podcast. So we have a set of questions we want to ask you just for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, the great question. We, of course, have the understanding that you're from the great country of Australia. However, I need to know, what, what does it feel like to live among animals whose sole purpose is to harm you? <laughs> uh, every day is terrifying. Really? <laughs> Yeah, you take a step out of your house and you don't know if it could be your last your last day living yeah. or not. But um no, nah, it's it's everyone everyone overseas always talks about the, the spiders, the snakes, the great white sharks and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But um yeah, you don't really think about it. I think when I when my kids were little, that like just crawling around you do get a little bit worried because like, oh, they're going to pick up a spider and just eat it because they don't know what it is. But, you know, generally, unless you're on a farm or something, you don't worry about snakes and spiders and that kind of thing. Dang. So, yeah. It's just kind of it's like a, a way of it's living. It's a lovely place to live. What's the most... Pardon? Oh, I was just going to say, like, it's like the way you live. That's that's about it. That's correct, Yeah. yeah. What's the most dangerous animal you've ever like come across within a within twenty feet? What's the most dangerous animal you ever uh, encountered? Wild koalas are pretty pretty out there. Like they can just tear you to shreds in an instant. Koalas can yeah, tear you to koalas shreds. Koalas are like vicious. <laughs> Dang, and and that's the thing. They're they're known as so cuddly. But if you ask any Australian, it's like no, you stay away from them. <laughs> you better. Yeah. I think if you look, if you go on the internet and you search up some angry koala oh, pictures, it's terrifying. quite really they look quite horrifying. I mean, they are bears, right? So yeah, yeah, nuts, they're just tiny bears, but <laughs> they're ready to pounce. My goodness, oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, Liz, you want to bring us the second question? Yes. Yeah, so, how do you combine your love of music and your love of games into a career? Mm. Well, I grew up playing games as you know most people our age mm -hmm. our age do and oh, yeah. i also grew up writing music uh recording music from a pretty young age so as yeah as i got older it just it just made sense mm -hmm. like i i often found myself listening to music from films and games more often than i did with I don't know what you'd call it, pop music or, you know, like normal yeah. albums and that, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's something that I desire to do. So, yeah, just like a natural thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What would, what would you say your favorite, um, gaming soundtrack is? Favorite gaming soundtrack. Um, yeah. my favorite gaming composer and probably one of my favorite composers in general is Masashi Hamazu. Oh, and okay. he yeah. is I don't think he's super popular, but um and name sounds familiar. What what game did he design? 
there's probably his most famous soundtrack was Final Fantasy 13. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. One of the most unpopular Final Fantasy games. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. His, his soundtracks are amazing. So I don't know. If I had to say something, I'd, Final Fantasy 13 was my gateway into all his music. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty, pretty good soundtrack. Dang. I mean, yeah, it's just like, uh, I, I love what you say that like you get, people like us, you know, people our age, um, we, we grew up with games and, and you already have this phenomenal musical talent. Again, uh, listeners, if you listen to that, uh, intro, that new intro, all composed by volts here and he does way more. He's actually going to be composing. All the What's that? <laughs> all the beeps and boops. All the beeps and boops. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's also going to be the composer for uh, Adam's Ascending, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. Um, but I actually want to ask you, since we're talking about music, uh, you're also you're also a Christian, um, like us yep. on the show. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, knowing this, I've once actually heard the phrase, there's no such thing as Christian music, only Christian lyrics. And I want to get, like, what's your take on this phrase? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think, I think that's mostly true. Hmm. Um, when you, when we sing worship music or hymns and stuff, uh, what I've found, like when I was younger, I, I thought, you know, this, we need to make these songs more interesting, you know, you got to give them more interesting melodies and, mm-hmm. uh, use all different instruments. Oh, let's bring some synthesizers into church or something like Ooh, that. Yeah. Um, but what, I, what I've found is, especially recently, we, we sing the church I go to now fairly traditional mm. songs. Um, and I noticed that the music is pretty basic. Mm. Um, and a lot of the hymns are very basic, but the, the lyrics are really powerful. Mm. And I've found that um, having that simplicity in the music helps you well, for one, it helps everyone pick it up really quickly. Yeah. Everyone can sing along and you almost know what note's going to come next because it's, so, um, it's so obvious. But, um, so yeah, I, th- I think lyrics is the biggest thing. Mm. If we're just talking about music in general, um, I would like, for me, there's instrumental music that I won't listen to mm. if it's talking you know the opposite of christian music there's some really good albums out there um that have been made from you know people who are in the occult and stuff like that yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's no there's no lyrics or anything on there um but i won't listen to that kind of just out of principle because Mm -hmm. you know if i'm serving god and that kind of thing why why would i be celebrating this other evil kind of stuff so yeah it's the intention behind it yeah yeah Mm. and interesting yeah and and i've always thought about that phrase too and and like what you said sometimes the music is super basic but the lyrics are just so powerful um i uh, coming from a band you know like we we did uh christian deathcore music and i always thought about yeah i know everybody's like christian death Core? we called it light core um but yeah it, it really is because it's kind of like there's no such thing as christian music because like we said 
synthesizers. You know, a lot of times um, I'll listen to synthwave and it can be a little bit, um, I, I don't even know what the phrase is, but it's just music. But it's the lyrics behind it. It's the intention behind it. Or even like, like what you said, uh, just instrumental music. It's the intention behind the music, I guess you can say, more than yeah. more than anything. Thing. Good thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, Liz, you have a... You also have a fun question for us. Yeah, fun question time. Yeah. Does it aggravate you that Nick DiPaolo of Adam's Ascending always has <laughs> what is a tight desk? Sorry. Oh. Does it always aggravate you that Nick DiPaolo from, of Adam's Ascending always has tight deadlines for you to get music done for big events? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, not at all. No. Um, <laughs> it's off. It's. It's good being thrown into situations where you've, you've got a deadline. Like it can be a little bit scary because generally when I write music, um, I'll do, you know, the majority of the song in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then it sits in the hard drive for about two years until I actually mm -hmm. finally get it all together and just put it out there Yeah, but with these, um, trailers that we did um yeah being a musician you kind of you're at the end of the line so i'm waiting for them to get their parts done mm -hmm. before i can really start doing the music just because this music is uh it's very specific to what's happening mm -hmm. in the images rather than just um like when we're making music for the actual game hmm. he'll just say you know this is the feeling i want from the level and um this is the story behind this scene and then i can just go write some background music pretty easily but yeah when you're when you're locking to events on the screen mm -hmm. it's yeah you gotta wait till everything's done and then mm -hmm. that's yeah. usually you've got a sh short amount of time to do it but yeah it's all it's all good it's all fun and yeah. feel good when you finally yeah. get it all locked in and yeah would you say nick DiPaolo is a is a good person to uh to work with uh, i mean he's not going to be listening to this episode at all you can <laughs> not be at all 100 honest <laughs> <laughs> would you say he's a is a good person to work with or yeah I, we i think we um relate to each other in a number of different ways so yeah we we're kind of on the same, uh, have the same line of thinking when it comes to certain things. So for us to work together, it seems to, things seem to happen pretty naturally. Yeah. And yeah, he's really chilled and thankful for like anything that I do. So he's, yeah, he's, it's been great working with him. So hopefully that game will all be done by the end of next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having him on, it was just like super awesome just getting to talk about the game and uh, even talking to you about uh, composing the game uh, as we get into talking points. But it, it seems like it's going to be one of those games that's super special, both musically and gameplay alike. Uh, and I like how you two mesh together. And just to let you know, uh, when I was talking to Nick about like, hey, man, what should I ask Foltz? He's like, man... I'm I'm so glad you're having him on the show. He's like this amazing composer. He's got a great worth work ethic. So he had great things to say about <laughs> you too. So, um, but seems like a really good guy. Um, 
But yeah, I want to bring it into uh, the final question and about your work ethic. And it can be kind of a leap of faith to make music your career. Kind of a, would you describe yourself as a freelance musician? Yes. So I, I still, I still have a full time job. Okay. I try to dedicate at least one day a week to Mm. just writing music. And then depending on what work of what music work I've got going on, then I might, um, work a bit harder during the week yeah but um yeah it's a pretty it's a big balancing act because you know i've got a family i've got a a job and um and yeah and growing this composing business mm-hmm. as well yeah so sorry i think i interrupted your question no there. no no no. that's actually a good segue mm-hmm. into my final question because like you said there there's a lot of things you have to worry about. You have your full-time job. You have your family. You uh, Do you have one kid or two, do you say? Yeah, I've got two. Two kids. So three, three and five-year-olds. Man, and there's a lot to balance there. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that want to make music a career, but they're scared to. And I want to ask you, uh, for someone who's pursuing it and pursuing it very well, succeeding in it, I want to ask you, what advice would you give to somebody who is having doubts about making music their full-time career or just a career in general? Mm. Well, I think my personal advice, it's not really advice, but Mm. it's best to get it out of the way as early as, as young as possible, really. Like Mm. when the more responsibilities you start um, piling into your life, the harder it is going to be to, kick things off you know like that generally i I think if you want to be a composer Mm. you need another you needed another job Mm. and then hopefully in the future if your composing is going well then things can transition Mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah but um i would point anyone interested in the business side of music to some podcasts so there's um there's a podcast called composer code um, composer code and yeah i'll i'll send links and stuff um so composer code and i don't think that is running anymore but there's lots of good really good um interviews on that and then another podcast is steven malin so steven m-e-l-i-n and his podcast is it's brilliant, really. Like I've learned heaps from listening to him. Yeah. Um, regarding the music side of thing, music or the music and business side of things. So, yeah, they're two great podcasts, and you'd learn a lot more from them than you would from me. Yeah. So, I yeah go there. Yeah. Which uh, I will have if you if you're either watching us on YouTube or on audio versions, I will have those two linked down below. If you want to check them out, you said Composer Code and Steve Mylan. Malin? Uh, M- Malin, yeah. Malin, Malin. M- M-E-L-I-N. Yeah, that's right. Nice. But uh, yeah, I will... He's a, Steve Malin, he's, he does music full-time, and he's got something like five or six kids. And oh, my goodness. He's pretty, he's pretty young. Um, yeah. So he's got lots of advice. His whole thing is um, basically balancing family and being a full-time composer so it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's really good stuff man cool but uh just like what volt said just 
uh, Joel. Uh, just like what Joel said, definitely look to pursuing it. Um, but as he said, you're going to need a full-time job. Uh, we still work jobs, even on the podcast. This isn't our full-time career yet. But uh, <laughs> that's the thing. You, you can't just uh, lack it behind, but you can't even lack your responsibilities. There's always that balance, but it's always worth pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely check out this podcast and uh, definitely check out Volz's work, too. I'm, I'm also going to see if I can link your full album, which is uh, Cowboy, um, Galactic Cowboy. Like the Cowboys, yeah. <laughs> I got it right. Yep. Which is amazing, by the way. I'm going to try to link that in the description. It's a Thank Spotify, you. but I'm going to do my best to see if it will link into descriptions. But if you don't, Spotify, Galactic Cowboy, definitely do that. Um, yeah, it's. A, I think the whole thing's on YouTube as well. So Yeah. Oh, there yeah. You go. oh, I'm going to link that down below. It's in YouTube. So I can definitely link that. Um, with that said, any other thoughts before we move on to our next section? I don't think so. I'm going to take the silence as... Nope. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, let's just move on to our final section. Coffee time. So, every single week here on the Games and Groceries podcast, we like to talk about a gaming uh, industry topic, whether it be about female gamers or even, like today, the importance of game music. So we have here today, of course, we just interviewed him, uh, Volt Supreme, who is going to be composing the soundtrack and the score of Adam's Ascending, which we had Nick DiPaolo on. Uh, Link up here. But with that said, I said a soundtrack and a score, but I think it's important to define the difference between a game's soundtrack or even a film's soundtrack versus its score. So let's start with our guest. What would you define the differences between those two? I think a soundtrack can be a score, but a score is not. No, a score is a soundtrack. No, oh, this is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> you might you might have two albums come out of a, a film or something like that sound if there's a soundtrack and a score the soundtrack's generally the collection of songs that we used mm-hmm. in the film and then a score is the actual uh you know you've got the one composer who's scored all the cues and stuff throughout the whole film so mm. that's that's my best attempt at trying to describe that what do you guys think yeah so like to me like i think the score would be like that like that like um like the music in the background that tells you how you're supposed to be feeling. Uh, did you say the soundtrack is no the score? A score, yes. And then yeah. the soundtrack is more like is it's it's still like the music, but it's like a different like mm-hmm. usually the soundtrack is like the music that they play in the end credits or like cut scenes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just it. It's like um, I I like to think of the not the best example, but I feel like the easiest because most of our audience is really into Life is Strange. Um, before the uh, before the storm, Life is Strange before the storm had the most easiest depiction of a score and a soundtrack because mm-hmm. the soundtrack, like uh, what Volt said, is the collection of sometimes licensed songs, but most of the yeah, time it's but just songs that were used. Yeah. They're, they are in tracks, you know, they're, they're yeah. I don't want to say trackable, but it, it's just a collection it's of the ones songs. the words, usually. So that's your basic soundtrack, you know, we, we have from um, 
Speedy Speedy Ortiz or Speedy Ortiz um, and other artists that contributed to the to the uh, whole game. But daughter scored yeah. before the storm because you have environmental, mm-hmm. emotional sounds like yeah. just to um, depict what's going on in each scene. Whereas a soundtrack is where... Yeah, it's the songs that they used. Yeah. Uh, am, I, am I on track, Volts? Yeah, that makes sense to me, yep. Yeah. But um, it, but that's what we're talking about, is that the game's music, there's, there's all different kinds, but generally speaking, there's the soundtrack, and then the score, which is making you more, more emotional. But the soundtrack can also make you emotional, too. Yeah. Um, but moving forward with that, how do some players take music for granted in games, right? Like you can almost ignore it. I can answer that. Okay. Because I usually don't notice that stuff is there. Mm -hmm. Like I know that like looking back, like, yeah, yeah, there was music in the background that told me how I was supposed to be feeling in that scene. And I think that's how people take it for granted is that they don't notice it's there like they notice that they feel something Mm. but they don't notice that it's the music and the background that's making them feel like this is a tense scene or this is an emotional Mm. scene okay yeah i can see that because i know i don't really notice the background music until you're like wow this sounds really good i'm like what are you talking about yeah it's (laughs) like can you feel this like no i'm just like no i'm paying attention to what they're talking about (laughs) yeah but what do you think joel i keep going back and forth joel and bolts but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think generally, you know, when you're writing music to a film and a game, mm. depending on the game, but yeah, you don't you don't want the music to necessarily stand out. Stand mm-hmm. out. You just want it to do its job. Oh, um, okay. Games games are a little bit different in that you have some games which are a bit more like a film where the music is just you know driving your emotions that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. you've also got um, games where the music has to be like really interesting and mm. exciting mm-hmm. yeah because it's lo- it's looping continuously for the entire level yeah and um it's yeah it's supposed to be like uh, like mega man or something like that they make all the mega man games are really famous yeah. soundtracks and people love those mm-hmm. soundtracks um it's it kind of is part of the game because mm-hmm. you're just jumping around shooting things and yeah you need that that lift and and know sonic the hedgehog all the sonic games they had like amazing music which wasn't just setting the scene it was like you humming along to these cool songs while you're playing mm. this yeah. game so right. yeah i think it's a bit of both sometimes the music has to hide and other times you really want it to jump out and just slap the person in the face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I like how you brought up uh, Mega Man because when we were at uh, Long Island Retro Expo, uh, we actually stayed behind for some some uh, band called Bit, Bit, Bit Brigade. Brigade. Good job, Adam's brain. But <laughs> they actually did the whole score of Mega Man 3 while there was a person just sitting there speed running through the game. So as he was playing the game... <laughs> wow. It they was were playing the soundtrack. It was so cool. It was so cool. Um, but it really made you think about, like like what you said, you're, you're humming along to it. Like it, it without it, it's just like what you said, jumping around and, 
and shooting pixels. Yeah. But it was just because of the music and felt more in your face, slapping your face. Um, I, I, I can also like also answer that I, I take some music granted for games. The, the easiest, I think, we can all agree on is Untitled Goose Game. Oh, my goodness. I have been hearing about this game for the past week. He will not shut up about this untitled goose game. It is perfection until Adam's Ascending comes out. It is perfection. It is the yardstick for goose games. But what's really interesting about goose games, untitled goose games. You sound ridiculous. Score. (laughs) Well, I'm being serious about this. I know, but you just sound ridiculous. Uh, Joel, did you get a chance to play Untitled Goose Game yet? No, all I've seen is a couple of trailers and a goose walking around <laughs> stealing people's stuff and biting bums and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the entire game. But it's really cool because the whole score of the game is just a piano. There, There's no uh, drums or trumpet or anything. It's just that background piano. So anytime you bite somebody's bump, um, the music gets a little bit more tense because the person notices you. And it almost feels like a silent film in that way. Where Or back in the day, um, back in the day, as if I lived back then. But uh, (laughs) where where it was just every single piano note was either uh, super tense, super happy, super joyful. But it was just the piano to set the mood. And I think players can take that game for granted because they don't yeah. notice that singular piano yeah. because they want something that slaps you in the face. Yeah. But which is why goose game is up there for my game of the year of this year so far. Do you, do you guys have play school over there? Play school. Oh, like the company like kids show. No. no. So in Australia, in Australia, we've got this really popular um, kids program called play school. Yeah. So you've got, Two, two actors which just, you know, do craft and typical kids huh. kind of show. But oh, I don't know if you can hear my kids screaming <laughs> in the background. <laughs> That's um, fine, man. Perfect timing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they've they got a just a piano player that's just off screen. Mm-hmm. And he just plays through the entire thing. So they might, you know, go, oh, it's getting windy. And they do some wind things. And then he does this amazing thing on the oh, piano. Cool. And it's actually really, it's really impressive, like. Um, that's what that reminded me of. But you can yeah. easily take the piano in play school for granted as well, although it's not yeah. a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, still, like like you said, like even like shows, if it's too simplistic, I'm putting air quotes here, too simplistic, you're just like, oh, it's just a fun little gag. But that's an art in of itself where just a single instrument takes the mood right there and then. doesn't have to be this yeah. ginormous orchestra like in Skyrim, but it can be just a a goose game with a piano in it. Or. Or. Out of the box. Out of the box. My goodness. Do you, do you have out of box in Australia? Well, it's not on uh, anymore. I can't think. It ended yeah. in 2004. Yeah. Well, what we can agree on, I believe the Wiggles came out of Australia. Yes. Yeah, they got that. There you go. Yeah. I hated the Wiggles. They creeped me out. Oh, well, <laughs> I appreciated the Wiggles. I was too yeah. old for them. So by the time they came out, I was like, who are these guys? This is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as Americans, I would like to thank you for the Wiggles. Uh, we very much appreciated that, that contribution. 
But uh, no, oh, totally. It's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of players can take music just for granted. One, because, you know, they don't know how to define it or uh, even appreciate the artist. Um, uh, you had an artist in mind that really inspired you with mm -hmm. games and game music, but they can't even really name a famous artist. And even myself, I'm testing myself right now. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Wait, Volt Supreme. Got oh, it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But <laughs> I can't really I, think of one. Look, I, I'm thinking, I don't really think it matters for gamers. Like, you know, mm. a gamer is just has to in, enjoy their experience, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I I get more frustrated um, with game developers who don't, who, Oh. Don't appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, there's a huge chunk of the game which they're just like, oh yeah, we'll just slap this on and um mm. and I'm like, no, you gotta you really you gotta think about this. This is a major point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I see so many good games of terrible soundtracks and it's just Yeah. Yeah. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, and I think the thing is like I don't think gamers think about the music, but I think when they say, like, this game is so stupid, like, oh, I hate this game. I think hmm. a lot of the time it could be the music. Like, you know, like, if the music is wrong for it or if it was, like, a, like you said, the, a second thought for the development or hmm. developers, it could, if there was different music, you never know. People could have liked the game more with Yeah, because music. there's just something missing from it. Or it feels off or yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said um, that that developers don't give it enough credit because gamers don't. Some yeah. Yeah. Some developers. Oh, definitely yeah. not Nick DiPaolo. He doesn't take it for granted at all. <laughs> um, great guy. Great developer. Um, but that's just it. It can't be just thrown just second thought into yeah, like, a game. Oh, yeah. We need music for this. Yeah. And I, I'm almost thinking that and uh, you can. Uh, say your take on this too but I feel like it needs to be a part of the development you know kind of mm -hmm. mixed in with it not just kind of oh here's our game there it is write it but it needs to be almost molded within a development now you yourself are again saying this again shout out to Adam's Ascending wishlist is on Steam but you are also working on a game what is your take on molding it in with a development yeah, it does depend on the game. I think certain games, sim simple games, you could probably just slap on music at the end. Like you could slap on good music at the end. Yeah. And there's no real need to have the composer be part of the process. Hmm. Like if you've got a game with a story and that kind of thing, I would ideally would want to be involved, me personally. Oh, yeah. All the way through <laughs> Especially, yeah. I like I'm interested in story writing and stuff like that. So, I would like to. I try not to overstep my boundaries, but I, I like to give suggestions um, to do with the game story or to do with just other elements and that kind of thing. And especially if um, if you're going to do like a dynamic soundtrack, mm. that's kind mm. of hard to tag on the end. Oh, maybe. But, you know, you want to be talking with the developer and, and say, 
bouncing off each other, basically. Yeah. 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 Could, could go on forever about about that, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> How much uh, communication per week do you and Nick have when developing music for the game? Uh, it depends. Like, I haven't been talking much lately because you know he's been busy with work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, he will often. You know, beginning of a week, he might say, this is the next scene I'm working on. Can you come up with something for this? And he'll give me a, a paragraph of what's going on, the emotions he wants to feel hmm. um, or he wants the gamer to feel. Then I'll just go off and make something yeah, and send it back to him. And then he'll he'll either say, yep, this is great or um, it's not quite what I had in mind. So then I'll go yeah. back and redo it so you know we some weeks we might be talking every day other weeks we might might just be once a week kind of thing yeah cool it all depends uh because like you said you you have a full-time job too uh i forgot to ask nick this does he also have a full-time job yeah definitely yep yeah so it, it totally depends um and i and i think i just saw on instagram that he um his his wife just got the news that she's having twins which is yeah. yeah, absolute insanity. I can't imagine. <laughs> I think Adam would collapse. <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and that's and that's awesome to hear that you and Nick are are just in that kind of communication that Nick is giving you, uh, like all of these scenes, and I and I like the the feedback from that. Um, uh, would you say like, to be completely honest, like I I I know music or like. I don't know as much music as you do, obviously. Um, but as, as a former musician, trying to get back into it, whenever I got criticisms, it almost felt personal, and I don't know why. Uh, ever was there ever a time where where Nick sent you something back, and it was full hearted, but it kind of felt personal to you when he didn't like your tracks. <laughs> Uh, he usually does like my tracks. Um, I think the very first trailer, like before we did any game music, mm. his live action trailer, that had two, basically two versions as far as the music goes. And mm. I thought I thought the first version was, was pretty good. Like, um, And he didn't say it was bad, but he, he said it's not, it doesn't have the energy that I'm looking mm. for. I need something more like this. Yeah. And so I wasn't offended, but it was you know, ah, oh, it's a bit disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. But generally what happens is well, when that happens, if he says, um, it's not quite what I want, mm-hmm. I'll go back and make something that's like 10 times better anyway. So I, in the end, it's like, oh, I'm glad you actually pushed me to mm-hmm. go in a different direction. Otherwise, yeah, you know, I wouldn't have come up with something that at least we think was better. Man. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, when I corresponded with you about uh, making the new intro for the podcast, which some some podcast listeners might take the podcast intros for granted, I don't know. But I, I even corresponded with you just like, hey, I'm looking for our current intro, but also our E3 episodes and kind of combine them. And you're just like, oh, Adam, I've got something that you don't even know is coming. And I'm going to put groceries into it, make it a grocery. I'm like... I don't know what you're talking about, but let's let's hear it. And then the very first song you give me, I'm like, how did you do that? 
Like that was, <laughs> by the way, if you listen to that, that that's, I didn't send anything back. He just sent it. I was and like, we're like, perfect, done. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, wow, th- this guy. Um, but like I said, um, Nick really just said like, oh, wait till you hear his tracks. I'm like, yeah, but it, it's really cool that to, to hear something like that, kind of like that relationship. But bringing it back to game music, right? Um, I I feel like I and I I might be crazy when I say this, but when we talk about gamers who are um, taking taking everything for granted. We talked a little bit about Mega Man 3 and how it needs that punch, right? I feel like a game's score is its flavor, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't put flavor on your chicken, right, it just becomes bland, you know? It's just a piece of chicken. It doesn't become bland. It just is bland. It's just bland, right? If you don't put it on the Barbie... Um, so I, I tried to be Australian. Did I fail at being Australian? Yes. Do you Did say put a shrimp on the Barbie? Yeah, <laughs> you said, shrimp but on the you Barbie, said right? it like an American. You said Barbie, like the doll. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but if you, but if you just have it there, but it's just the seasoning, it's the flavor, and that's what gives that chicken everything about it, right? The the, the chicken is what matters. The chicken is going to give you your protein. <laughs> I feel like you're forgetting what you're talking about. I'm also hungry and tired, <laughs> but. <laughs> But I I think that a game of music, yeah, right. (laughs) I'm imagining chicken. Wait for it on the Barbie. Did I do it? Why are you looking at me? You sounded a bit more English that time, I think. Adam is really bad at accents. He'll start with Australian and end in Jamaican. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's wrong. (laughs) I think people generally start. With an accent and end up sounding Indian. I think oh, that's really? Oh, he does that too. Happens. Yeah. So I just veer away from him. <laughs> accents. Um, anyway. But, but yeah, would you say that a game's music is its flavor? Or would you put another metaphor to that? What do you think, Gobbles? <laughs> well, obviously I'm biased when it comes to all this kind of stuff. Well, true, so, yeah. Um, it is yeah, the I'll, play ga- I'll play a game just because, because it has a good soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. and I won't, and I won't play a game if it's got a bad, bad soundtrack. Yeah. Okay. But I think, like, since you have that oh. musical mind, that makes sense. That, like, that's how you kind of judge a game too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No. Other people definitely don't think the same way. Mm. Like, I'm a very. Me. I base a lot of things on emotion, so like... If it's not emotional, then... If it doesn't have this... If it makes me feel a certain way, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I like what you say, that you won't really play a game that doesn't have a good soundtrack. That's the way I, I read comics. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll see a comic on, on the stand. Very first thing I'll do, I'll open up a random page, and I just want to see the art style. Like, if it has... so judgy of art style. Yeah, if I don't... I, if I can't vibe with the art style of the comic, no, won't you even read the video story. Games too, though. Yeah, if a video game doesn't have good art style, that for some reason it bugs me. I don't know why. You know what game has a good art style to it? Untitled Goose Game oh my has an amazing art style to it. But you're not allowed to bring that up for the next week. <laughs> like the... I, I will give you money to not bring it up for the next. Well, we week. share the same bank account, so. It, it goes to me anyway, but we'll borrow money from someone to give to you. 
<laughs> wow. But yeah, like, um, Liz, did you ever think about music being the flavor of the game? I mean, I think so, because like I said earlier, it's it tells you what to feel. Mm-hmm. So when you think of like the overall music of a video game or a movie, it it tell it kind of sets that tone for the whole thing. Like yeah. when you when I think of Life is Strange, the first season, I feel that mellow because all the music in there mm-hmm. is mellow, except for the random times where like Chloe's playing her music. Right. But a lot of the time it's very mellow, soothing music. Even mm-hmm. in season two, it's the same vibe. Yeah. And so I think the music definitely is what you call the flavor. Of yeah. It because it, it kind of sets that tone for like, this is the feel of this. Like it's intense, but it's also like mm-hmm. zen. Yeah. I can agree with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Volts, do you have anything to add on that? No. Uh, not really. I think, yeah, I agree with both of what you've said. So, yeah. Let me let me ask you because you said that like if a if a game has a bound, bad soundtrack to it, what kind of goes through your head? Because the gameplay could be spot on. The story is emotional. Everything about it is fantastic, except for the music. And I want to ask you like about uh, your kind of mindset when it comes to those kinds of games. What what goes through your head when you play uh, a game that just has a bad soundtrack? <laughs> oh gosh, how do I answer that? Um, yeah. Well, first of all, it's, I mean it's pretty subjective. Mm-hmm. A, ba- a bad soundtrack to me might not even be a bad soundtrack. To, it might just be. Oh, agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very yeah. well done soundtrack that I just don't find interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, a lot, you know, like a lot of fantasy games have these big, massive orchestral soundtracks that, mm. are, you know, some of them are done by movie film composers and stuff. And I just don't find it interesting. I, really? I'm, I'm not going to say, I can't say they're bad, but um, yeah, I just, I, just uh, I would love something a bit more, you know, like, like the goose game, just something. Yeah. <laughs> put some limitations. Put some limitations on and see what you can do with a couple of yeah. instruments. Like I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't think I can really answer that. Oh, I can go the other way. Okay. So Final Fantasy Thirteen. Um, as far as the Final Fantasy game goes, it's pretty disappointing. Like the art style is good, mm. the story's okay. It's a bit confusing, um, but. It's people basically call it a corridor simulator, yeah. which is the opposite of what you think of when you think of a Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. But I, I just love the music so much that I kept playing that game. I yeah, just grinding through that game just to listen to the amazing music. And I still sometimes go back to it. Like I definitely haven't finished the game and I probably never will. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But right. the music carried me through that that game. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I just listen to the soundtrack um, mm-hmm. without playing the game. But that works. Still, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, it's, that's an amazing soundtrack. It's all on Spotify and stuff now. I think. Um, yeah. I think Squares released all of their Final Fantasy albums. I think that's Spotify. right. Yeah. I I really like the soundtrack for Ten. Seven was okay, but I think I've on Spotify like it came up thirteen. I remember liking that. 
Maybe it was 12, but I can't remember. But all of them were just fantastic. But I, I like what you said that. Uh, did you say that uh, big orchestral numbers kind of don't interest you if it's just too much? Yeah. Um, I mean, people love those soundtracks, but especially with movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't interest me. No, I feel that. I mean, it, it goes into it's it's genres of music in games, right? Um, like I could ask you, like, are you into deathcore music in general? <laughs> no, definitely not. I <laughs> when I was in high school, you know, I had a few years where I just listened to heavy metal. Yeah, just all I listened to. Dang. But hey. yeah, I don't go back to much metal these days. And that's like a, a music genre, right? Like I, I may not appreciate all sorts of music. Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's bad. Because um, deathcore is amazing. But it just, uh, it's just tastes, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people could argue with you, like, well, well, volts, like orchestral takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of emphasis. I'm sure it does. It just doesn't really go yeah. anywhere. Uh, I, I think you can even say like the difference between the soundtrack and the score of Sky, Skyrim or any Elder Scrolls game and Fallout's, you know, from the same developers, two completely different soundtracks and yeah. two completely different tastes. Yeah. Right. Uh, were you about to say something, Liz? Oh, yeah. When it came to like the big orchestral and like you were talking about that, um, I was going to say like, because me and your other friend that we've interviewed, Marcus. Yes. Oh, yes. Love Wicked. Yeah. And it's we and what attracts me to Wicked is that big orchestra. How every song is just like booming music. Yeah. And I love it. I admire like that is one musical where I admire the music. Yeah. Whereas you listen, you're like, this is terrible. Yeah, I can't. And me do and Marcus it. just want to punch you in the face for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I love orchestral music. Yeah. Like, some favorite. Well, Masashi Yamazu, he writes lots of um, orchestral music. Mm. But it's the it's the composers, it, you know, it's the soundtracks that are like, all right, let's do another Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. style soundtrack. Yeah. And then everything, even though Hans Zimmer's great, mm-hmm. because he's set this, this standard that everyone copies, Oh, I yeah. don't oh, want yeah. to listen to any Hans Zimmer anymore because it just yeah. all sounds. Everyone big, wants it, yeah. which is unfortunate for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, unfortunate in some ways, fortunate in other ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. Um, I'm trying to think, like, because you, I remember you saying like a lot of big film industry music writers go into games. Has John Williams ever done a game? That'd be crazy. I don't think so. I don't think I don't he think did, so. but that'd be crazy. I feel like you would know if he did. I feel like I would know, <laughs> and that would be amazing. But um, of course, John Williams being you know Star Wars, I believe he did Harry Potter and also Jaws. He did so many different all the big yeah. ones. Yeah, everything yeah, except he's for biggest film composers of all time. Yeah, uh, I mean everything except for Lord of the Rings, which everybody thinks that he did. It's like because no. he did all the he did Harry Potter, he did Star Wars. Like, yeah. The, they, you complete the trifecta with Lord of the Rings. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's just like, it's all about music genres. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, even, I would say some of my favorite soundtracks is from Oxenfree uh, in this game called Hue. Which it, yeah, Amazing. Oxenfree, the soundtrack for that? Yeah. Yeah, by Scientific. That was 
it, I, I started to watch a, uh, a documentary of how he did everything. And he had these old timey radios just to like mess with them. He looked like a madman <laughs> in his basement, just like playing with these little radios. But I, I can't oh, remember I his real name. Yeah. Like, uh, but Oxenfreeze music is just very atmospheric. Um, I don't want to say that it's kind of, it's not synth wave at all. I don't know how to describe it, but it's very atmospheric. But, and yeah. I really... it's synth in there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Oh, it, it's there's a lot of it's pretty synth heavy the whole mm-hmm. soundtrack. Oh yeah, it's definitely synth heavy, um, and definitely Hugh is that singular piano, but it's not in the same way as as Goose Game, um, but it's again very atmospheric mm-hmm. piano. Yeah, you know? and I, and I, now the the more I'm thinking about it, I'm starting to agree with volts it's like the bigger it is it's it's not that it doesn't interest me i think it depends on the game it's not yeah like you wouldn't want a big orchestra for untitled goose game no that'd be weird but for something like skyrim it really fits because it's that like dark medieval type yeah you know and it'd be the same thing you wouldn't want a big orchestra for life is strange yeah because that's more of a mellow game mm-hmm but again, it works for something. I can't think of another game right now. No, true. But it fits for Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, like, it, I think it depends on the feel of the game or the show or movie. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, how can we better ourselves to be more appreciative of music in games? Is there is there a way we can be more appreciative of that? Or is this just kind of like understand where music is coming from uh what's what what's your take on that how can we be more appreciative um you can listen to some video game music podcasts um Mm. there's quite a few pretty good ones so i listen to uh the mikado brothers mikado so they will they're a bit more analytical they'll play a song they'll talk about it they're they're both the two brothers are composers, so they will talk about it from a composer's point of view. Mm. And they've actually they've gone through a lot of albums that I wouldn't really be interested in, but because they have um, uh, because they're so interested in it, and they have that analytical um, approach to their podcast, I've gone away thinking, oh wow, that soundtrack is quite amazing. And as uh, a VG Embassy is another good one which is more they'll they'll play the music and then talk more about the game rather than the actual music itself but mm. they're two good two good podcasts which i find i get a better appreciation for uh video game music as a whole rather than just the soundtracks that i like oh yeah totally because uh, it all is about fitting into each scene that uh i would hope not but each music soundtrack isn't an accident. It is just put into a game and you just kind of throw into the game. It's it's intentional. It's it's made to flavor the scene. It's made to mm-hmm. excuse me. It's made to make you more emotional and emotionally connected to that mm-hmm. scene, I believe. Um and I feel like a game without any music, zero music, I don't think can I don't think can uh, quite work. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of any kind of game. The only way a, um, a video game without music can work is maybe <coughs> if it's trying to creep you out and trying to... yeah. And trying to like make you feel uneasy. But even then, there's like the subtle musical chimes that come in to make you feel a little bit uneasy. Right. But I, I feel like a, a game without music. I feel like because you work. asked originally, you know, how can people appreciate it more? Right. But I think the reason that like the three of us notice music in games and movies is because we're all musical minded. Right. But if you're someone who's not even artistically minded or musically minded, you might not even notice it's there, Mm -hmm. but people would notice if it's not there. Okay. Yeah. Because like I said before, it goes back to the music tells you how to feel, tells Mm. you what that, what that emotion is supposed to be in that scene. And people will notice when that music isn't there. Cause like you think you look at like really bad, movies that were yeah kind of thrown together mm-hmm. they usually don't have light music in the background right and you can tell because it makes that scene that much weirder mm. i can see that uh, volts what do you think uh can <laughs> can a game without music either creep you out or can it even work at all yeah, I, I I put music to everything. If I'm cooking, I'm listening to music. Sometimes if Same. I go for a walk, I'll put music yeah. on. It just makes everything so much better. Yeah. But um, I, I did think of. Have you guys ever played the original Prince of Persia? The I 2D I did game. Uh, but back in the day when it first came out. So, uh, wait, the 2D platformer? Yeah. Wait, what system was it on? DOS. <laughs> oh, never mind. Maybe I'm thinking of like when it was on like the original Xbox and PS2 era. I thought that was the first no, one. No. no, this is old old school. Like I was I would play this when I was in preschool basically. You put the floppy disk into the computer. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Ed, so that game So you're still young. Yeah, still young. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Prince of, the original Prince of Persia is basically silent you've got an opening musical track mm-hmm. um and then pretty much the whole game is um void of any music except for like you said those little musical chimes yeah so you might start a level it goes yeah oh you die and some little musical sound comes on but mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite games of all time and that's doesn't have much music in it yeah i think a lot of people complained about um oh what's the new zelda game not the breath of the wild remake yeah breath of the wild Mm -hmm. so i know people pretty split on that so yeah i've heard people say oh the silence is great like it just um i don't know i haven't played it so it helps you appreciate the environment or something like that and then other people are like there should there should be more music in here like what's going on yeah. So that's a game that has divided people. It really has. It's really weird for for a really crazy dynamic game. But Liz, you're playing it currently right now. Yeah, I was actually trying to think this whole time. I was like, is there music in that? In Breath of the Wild? Yeah, because yeah. I was trying to think, and there isn't. But I think I don't notice it because there's still environmental noises. 
Yeah, like birds so, chirping like, and there's birds chirping. You can hear wind. You can hear like Link running and going ah. Yeah. Yeah. Link just but, does and, that like, all the time. You can hear like the monsters like making their like calling noise or like you can hear them around their fire. You can hear the right. fire. So I think that's why you don't notice there's no music because there's still environmental noises. It's not like mm-hmm. void of yeah. all sound. Th- yeah. And but I think I think there is a, a, there's definitely a soundtrack. Like there's probably a few hours worth of music mm-hmm. in the game. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah, but it's those moments of of silence that have Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of there's my... some great music from it. What's that? Oh, there's some I've I've listened to the soundtrack and it's got some amazing Yeah. Amazing mm-hmm. music in there. Yeah. I'll have to listen to that, but uh yeah, I was actually going to say that um, one of my biggest complaints about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I know a lot of people are complaining to me, like, why do you like Odyssey? I'm like, well, here's one of my reasons. <laughs> it just feels void. Like, there's no, there's not so much environmental sounds. There's not a lot of soundtrack to it compared to the other Assassin's Creed games, whereas Assassin's Creed Origins, which came before it, there, there was people in the market. There was bird yeah. chirping. There was, a, there was just a more powerful soundtrack. It, mm-hmm. it, Odyssey feels void of that, and it just bugs me. It makes me, ah, makes me cringe. <laughs> I need something. I mean, really. Um, I mean, it's not like environmental, like Goose Game is. Oh my goodness! There's so much going on in Goose Game that I can't even describe to you right now because you haven't played it yet. You gotta play Goose Game. I'm playing Breath of the Wild. Yeah, well, well, goose game, um, but I, I think this is a, I think this is a good conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Volts, do you have anything to 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 add? Um, I don't want to take up any more of your time if if you're in a rush. Uh, no, I'm not in a rush. Um, yeah, but uh, no, I, don't, I don't have anything to add to that point anyway. Oh yeah, true that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of uh anything else because like. I think our bottom line for this entire conversation about music in games is that it does play a vital role in game development. You can't just slap it in at the last minute because it does have that importance. And even there's genres within games, right? You can't just have music game. You can't just have game music. There's there's different types. There's orchestral, there's environmental, there's emotional. There There's so many different elements and layers to game music and i feel like yeah sure maybe if you're a type of gamer it isn't really driven towards game music you know the video game music right if you're not driven towards that you can at least still appreciate that it's there more Mm -hmm. right don't take it for granted and just enjoy what you have yeah right does that make sense at all or am i just off in the ether somewhere. No, that makes sense. Yeah. What do you have to add in terms of final points? Um, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, I pretty much said the same thing. Oh, yeah. True. Just, music matters. Music does matter. I'm going to make that into a Bam. t-shirt. But... <laughs> if you get me the Cricket Explorer Air 2, I can make it into a t-shirt. I could. I really could. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Volts, do you have anything to add to this uh, final statement of mine? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, I kind of like what I said before. I don't, I don't necessarily think people have to notice the music. If the music 
does its job. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a that's a good enough thing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think if the music is, if it's good enough and it's a certain type of music, it'll naturally, you know, it'll you'll have songs that people have put on YouTube which get like millions of views and everyone's yeah. talking about this song or that song. No. I think it just kind of happens naturally. Like I mean, think of all the Final Fantasy orchestra concerts that they do and stuff like people oh, will yeah. go to a concert to listen to Final Fantasy music and um yeah I think but yeah from a, a developer's point of view I think developers need to especially indie indie developers um oh yeah there's a lot out there I remember when I was you know you scroll through all the devlogs and stuff that people are making and um they're not even really thinking about the music. Obviously, they've got their all the stuff that they need to worry about. But mm. as a composer myself, I'm just like, ah, oh, come on, you got to get some. You can do something really interesting with this game. And yeah, uh, they settled for boring stuff. Well, they did it themselves, and they weren't very yeah. good composers. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I can I can think of a couple that I'm not going to name on air at all, but. I, as soon as you were talking like about indie games and making really good music, immediately thought of the soundtrack for Celeste. And oh, it's a gorgeous soundtrack. That's beautiful soundtrack. But again, it's another music genre, though. Mm-hmm. But I personally can't wait to hear the music behind Adam's Ascending. And yeah. I can't wait to hear the documentary of Volt Supreme playing with old radios down in his basement. <laughs> so, but... Yeah, we really can't wait for that. All uh, synthesizers for me. All synthesizers. No, no old timey radios. Got to be the synth synthesizers. There you go. Good job, Adam's brain. But yeah, I mean, we we really liked having you on. We really liked this subject about game music, um, and we really appreciate. By the way, we very much appreciate the new intro to the podcast. Yes, uh, yes. Again, um, the other thing I'm going to have linked down below is Volt Supreme's Instagram. Um, I'm crediting him to the intro music as well as the outro music. Um, and I want to link his Instagram down below. And I'm also going to be putting his album, uh, Galactic Cowboy, which is on YouTube, down in the description. Because I want you to really hear this guy's music, really appreciate what he's doing. And just, to again, to give credit to the artist. That's the other thing. Going to end it here. Always give credit to your artists. Always, always, always. Don't don't just take people's art and just say it's your own. Credit to yours, man. But um, I I know uh, Volts is a uh, full of greens of that. Don't steal his music and just make it your own. It's wrong, man. I mean, he's from Australia. Got, What's that? I've got lots of mu- I got lots of music available for indie developers on like asset stores and stuff like that. You can mm-hmm. people can buy a whole soundtrack for like twenty five twenty five dollars is my most expensive soundtrack. There you go. The Western. All the Western music. Yeah. So. But I think what you're trying to say is that if they tried to pirate your music, you're going to sick koalas on them, is what I'm trying to <laughs> gather. <laughs> yes, they might get a, um, <laughs> a large moving package in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> large moving package. <laughs> well, I think we'll end our conversation here. Um, Volts, uh, anything to add? Um, I'm going to give the red carpet to you. Uh, you've got an Instagram. You've got a new album out. Uh, anything else um, that I'm missing? Uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't know. Thanks for 
having me on. Appreciate it. Um, we appreciate and, you coming uh, on. Yeah, no worries. I love your guys' podcast. It's you get some nice, interesting topics and interesting point of views that I don't really hear anywhere else. So, oh, thank you, man. Yeah, love what you guys do. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on. And the honor of making your intro and outro music. If yeah. you are you using the outro one or yeah, um, you sent me uh, one or two, um, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm gonna use like just a little bit for the outro. Um, I think wait, I think we corresponded about that. I don't know. But, anyway, yeah, yeah. whatever yeah. you do. But yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, Good yeah. Um, but yeah. So I lost my train of thought. We're ending now. We are ending. But definitely give uh, Volt Supreme some love down the Instagrams, YouTube channel, his uh, his album. Definitely check all those out. Uh, and again, you can follow us on social medias, Twitter at Gaming Groceries. You can follow us on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word. Check out our website, gamesandgroceries.com, where you can listen to all the podcasts from the website, as well as find out where you can listen to the audio versions of the website. Um, and with that very much said and done, I think we can finally end this. I'm tired. It's Alrighty. T- it's tomorrow for you, Volts. So, Volts, have a good day. <laughs> We'll have a good night, which is weird, by the way. Anyways, so (laughs) thanks again for listening to this week's episode. We will catch you next week. Have a good week. Bye. Cheerio.